Today's stuff is just Lamed, and uh, let's begin. So uh, in uh, last year, we started learning about the Prusbul. And, uh, and we talked about the fact that if it's Mukdam, it's Kasher. If it's Mu'uchar, it is Pasel. And the reverse was a case with Shtar Echov. With the Shtar Chov, we said if it's a Shtar Chov, it's Mukdam, it's Pasel. And if it's Mu'uchar, it is Kasher. And we talked about last time how changing the dates for one is to the detriment, say, in a Prusbul, but it's actually positive if it was for the for a normal star and vice versa, and we charted it out last time. But the Gemara asks a basic question. Me made up, meaning if someone has a star in Beitin, who's going to come along now and actually tell us and let us know that this contract is, the date on it is incorrect? Now, what's the basis of this question? The basis of the question is as follows. It says, Shimon Barba, B'Shem Rabbi Yochanan, it says, the, the assumption is at this stage, it's those that have, um, that have signed, the, signed the document itself. However, we say, one second, what Rabbi Shimon says, the problem is, when it comes to the signatures on the document, that the, the, the legal force of these signatures as is if these witnesses have already been tested and, and confirmed in beta. Meaning what? We have a principle when someone gives edut, meaning once, if we, if we view the signatures on this document, as if as if the as if the those that signed have already testified in Beitin regarding the contents of that document, then how can they come along now and say the date is not correct? Because it's as if they've testified and now they're retracting and trying to give a different testimony. So that's the question of the Gemara. So how does how do we have this case of Shtar Muktamukhar that someone's going to come along and actually say it's Muktamukhar? So the Gemara does ever require them to have a handpick. Sorry? Does Bezdin ever require them to have a handpick when you bring the star to the principal? Uh No, you just rely on the star itself. Okay. Right? So, um, so the, uh, the Gemara says, okay. So we say, so Taman, no. When do we say um, that that's when that we didn't sign on it. For example, they said we were minors uh, or, 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 the, or we were young, like we were under bar mitzvah at the time, all things like that. In that situation, we, in other words, if they're trying to uproot their entire Eidot altogether, that's when we say, However, here they're not trying to uproot their entire Eidot. They're just simply saying, They're saying, yes, we signed this document, and yes, we, 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 uh, we, we stand behind our signatures, but we were only signing regarding, say, the loan and not the, not the date of the loan. Or when it comes to Prusbul, the other way, like, for example, that the Prusbul occurred, but not necessarily the, the dating of it. Um, in other words, uh, I'll just read you. Uh, I'll read Rebchaim says, Yes, we did sign al ikar, the ploni lavami ploni, but we didn't sign on the fact that the, the dating was wrong. Okay, so that's how you'd get, that's how you'd be able to uh, qualify a, a, a contract, a loan document, as if it's mukdam or mukham. Okay, let's continue. Rabbi Yochanan Omer, Psulim Mamash, Rabbi Shimon Ben Lakish says, Enumona Ela Mishashak, Mishashak, Mishatak Tav. 
So the question is here, when, when, uh, when we have a um, shtar chov that's mukdam, we said it's what? It's pasal. Now the question is, is it completely pasal? Therefore, in other words, the Baal Chov can't use that document to claim his loan back. Or we say, look, it's not, it's, it's not puzzle. It's just we don't, we no longer go back all the way to the, the in terms of when he can govern the Kuchot. We don't say that he can go back to the date that it's written, but he can govern the Kuchot from the date of the, uh, where the actual loan occurred. To record, just to recap why a backdated uh, contract is a problem, is because again, after the time of the loan, the lender has a lien on all the property that the borrower has and any, any land that he sells, then um, if he cannot pay back any land that was sold, meaning the, the borrower can't pay any, 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 he can't pay back the loan, any land that he sold after the date of the loan, the, the malva, the lender could come and now seize that land that was sold in order to collect his money. And we said that if it's backdated, what unfortunately will happen is it ends up encompassing all those sales that were prior to the loan. And that's not right. So we have a machloket, and in terms of can he is is the document still okay? Meaning, yes, we disregard the backdated date, but like he can still say claim lands, he can still claim his money back from the time that was dated. Not time that was dated, the date where it actually occurred. So again, again, what we have here, Amiyochane says it's actually psulim mamash, absolutely invalid. However, Shimon ben Lakish says no. What happens is we actually um, we we he can act he can claim the money back, but from the time it was actually really written. Now we bring a kasha. We say in a prusbul, a prusbul, whether it's mukdam or mukhar, really it's kasher, it's valid, but you simply count it from the time where it was, um, from the time it was actually written. So the point is, this writer is only teaching specifically by what? Specifically by prusbul. But despite the fact the date's wrong, we go by when it was really, really, really written. However, the Gemara asks, if really, according to Reish Lakish, that even backdated loans in practice, you could actually still take it from when it was written, then there is no difference between a prusbul and any other loan. However, the fact that this writer seemed to stress that a prusbul is an exception to all documents. So therefore, this is left as a kasha on Reish Lakish, because it seems to be only when it comes to a prusbul can you claim it from what was physically written, even if the date is wrong. Implying that what? Applying like Rabbi Yochanan of all our documents, if it's a backdated loan, then it, it would be puzzled completely. Okay. What happens if you've got now, what if you've got a star whose date is dated for what? On Shabbos or 10th of, uh, on Yom Kippur. So in that situation, clearly that can't be when the loan occurred. It can't, that can't be what's written. However, what do we, what do we do? Rabbi Yehuda says it's machshir. We assume it's okay. We just simply say, we assume, we assume that it was a me'uchar, meaning the date was uh, forward dated, and really it's a kosher document. And Rabbi Yossi seems to say that it's possible, it's invalid. We have to be choshesh if we're concerned that maybe the date is wrong because it's a muktam, it's a backdated document. So Rabbi Yehuda says to Rabbi Yossi, but one second, and they came before him to and you may say it was valid. He says, he says, I didn't make such a document that we're discussing now, kosher. But if I did, I must have been on other grounds. 
Meaning you must have misunderstood the scenario because a backdated loan, if that was the only consideration, I would have said it's complete. Yeah, sorry, backdated. Uh, if, if it was a, it was a star that was, that the date said Shabbat, if that was the only detail that came to light, then I would have said it's puzzle. So now we say as follows. Here we say Mukdam as opposed to Mukhar. Again, we say Mukhar instead of Mukdam. So we're switching Mukhar and Mukdam around in this sentence. In other words, the Havamina was, that the reason the shitta that says, meaning Rebbe Yehuda said it's kosher because we're concerned that we, we assume that, you know, perhaps this, this star that was said, dated for Shabbat was really a mu'uchar. And the shitta that says it's pasal is because we have to be kosher, so maybe it was really a mukdam. <clears throat> meaning the loan really occurred maybe a few days later and it's dated on, and, and it was dated on Shabbat. However, Ella, uh, Ella, but the Gemara says no. The, that's not the reason. Ella manda amar. This is where Reb Chaim explains it. By the way, others, other Mefarshim have a different flow. Says Ella manda amar pasul mishum ziuf. He says no. The reason why the shita that said it's not pasul is not because it's choshesh in terms of mukta mukhar. It's nothing to do with that. The reason Rabbi Yossi is pasul is because I read your Reb Chaim mishum. And this is in the middle of the Ramat Chulman. He says tam de shapasu Rabbi Yossi de chashven lekiilu hu shtar sheein bozman tava edot shiat valezima. You know, that's the fact that the date is wrong, meaning it's an impossible date. It's a date which is dated Shabbat. Then it's as if there was no date and it becomes like a star where we have um, that. Why, why is the Zman on a star important? Because if without a Zman, it's, it's what's called Iyatol Chazimah. Meaning, what's that, what's that important? Meaning the Edim have to be able to say the date of when this incident occurred so that they would be able to be found as false witnesses. Meaning that other people can come along and say, one second, how can you testify that you signed such a contract on such a date? When what? You were with us playing golf that day on another different location. Okay. And if there's no date, that become the, the, if there's, there's no date to an edut, it's not a, it's not considered a valid edut because it's edut yetahole zima. It's an edut that cannot be falsified. So therefore, to here, and the and he puts in brackets in time, despite the fact when it comes to, um, you don't need Risha Chikira in that level, like we have by other Eidot. However, they can have a Kumuzim He says the fact is, is that the reason why the Shittas is puzzled is not because of a Choshish, maybe it's a Shtar, shtar, shtar Mukdam, but it's quite the opposite. It's, it's that simply without, because the date seems to be an impossible date, it's like a fraudulent document. It's like a simply, the document is simple, simply just a puzzle document as if it's missing a date. Okay, next, next case. In Kotvim Ela Karka. So Rav Amar, Now this is interesting. When, when we learned the mission, we said when you write on Prusbul, it has to be that the borrower has land, right? And therefore it was this if, uh, and, um, and if he didn't, if you remember we said in the Mishnah, the Malvis says he has to mezak him land, he has to, he has to do some sort of kingdom to give him land, in order, because that's why the Prusbul needs it. Now we said, if you remember in the mission, we said a few different reasons. One is because if there's caricates, as if it's already from which to claim the money, and therefore it's as if it's already collected. That was one understanding. We also said, according to Rashi, because no prusbul's only nigza was made for normal situations, and in normal situations, a borrower has land. Okay, those are two reasons why we said it. However, here what Ravi is saying is, is not only does the lover have to have land, the malba has to have land as well. Both have to have land in order to write a prusbul. Now, why is that? One understanding is is that we're concerned that maybe the lover might not be selling land and he doesn't have land and everything gets ruined. So therefore the malva has to have lands for which to sort of mazakim land. That's one understanding. However, very interesting here, the uh, he quotes a bit Yosef and he says, he, the but Yosef quotes about the, the Balatrumot that says the malva has to have land. Why? 
because he has to makne, if you like, all his shtarot. Part of the principle is I'm handing over my shtarot to Beit. Now, how do you physically, uh, to, to someone who's not in the present in front of you, to do Kenya Mashiach, how do you actually hand over shtarot? How do you acquire a large mass of property? You do what's called Kenyan Agav Karaka. You sell someone land, and by way of selling the land, you can bundle in other purchases to the sale. So that's why, according to the first Epikotin Rav, the Malva, the way the Beit Yosef understands it, or sorry, the Trumba, the Trumba understands it, is that he, the Malva has to have land through which we have some sort of mechanism that he can hand over the Shtar to Beit. Okay? That's the way you understand it. However, Rav Yochanan Amar, no. The Malva Afopisha and the Lova, the Lova Afopisha Malva. So, um, Rav Yochanan says he disagrees, and he says, no, it's, exa- it's exactly like we explained in the Mishnah, either or would be sufficient. Now, we said in the Mishnah, So if you recall, we said, this is a case, we said that if um, uh, Reuven owes Shimon money, but Reuven doesn't have Ikarka, but Levi owed Reuven money, meaning the creditors, the, sorry, the, the borrower's borrower, had karaka, then you could write, you could write, a, you could write like the grandchild, if you remember, that's the way we sort of described it yesterday, had karaka in this sort of lending arrangement. Then you could write a prusbul, because normally what can happen is if you're owed money and someone owes money to that person, and the person who owes you money has no, doesn't have anything to pay, you can collect it from the person who owes that borrow that, that person money. Right? So that's why you can write a prosul. That's why I explained it in Mishnah yesterday. So Rav B'Shem, Rav says, So if someone only has one stalk in his field, and one stalk has a cultural karka underneath it, then, um, then we say you can write a prosul. Now the Gemara asks, But we're saying, People who are business partners, and Aris is a share crop, and it says, But we say, One second. How's that possible? And if you've got a business partnership, well, then clearly each of them at least has one stalk in this field. So he said, no, Amrin Taman He says it's a difference. You can have a massive field. The difference is, is every single stalk is, has shared ownership. There's no exclusive ownership to any particular stalk. That's why we say in the case of uh, shared ownership, it's as if he doesn't have land for this, uh, for this principle. However, if, if it's one person, even if it's one stalk, since he has full ownership of that one stalk, and if you like that cultural karka beneath it, that is sufficient to write a prosul. That's the difference between the two cases. Now we say as follows. Now if you recall, we said in the Mishnah, you can write a prosul for money owed for a, for a person, meaning he doesn't have land, but his wife has land. That was one of the cases of the Mishnah. Okay. Um, he, he has what's called, he has, he has the right to, kinyo, he has kinyo peirot, he can eat the peirot from the land, he, he can manage the land. However, he doesn't have land and that's still sufficient because his wife has land, so it's okay. Then we said you can also write a um, prusbul for yatomim, okay, for yatomim for orphans if they had money, al nichsei aputropin. Now what the Gemara is going to ask is, we're sort of going to sort of flip the two cases. It says, Can you write a prosbul money owed by a putropos? Now, a putropin is, as we said, is an individual who's put as a, in charge of the affairs of Yotomium of orphans. What if he owes money? Can we write a prosbul on the lands of the Yotomium? Now, why is that? So we said, So what the Gemara says is, is we align the two cases, the two cases together. Meaning the two cases I mentioned in the introduction. Meaning... And Opu Tropis's relationship to the property of Yatomim 
is really the same as a, a husband's relationship to the property of his wife. Why? Both of, neither of them own that land, but they've got financial control of that land. They manage it. They, well, according to, they said one really important difference that Rabbi Chaim stresses is that, the, that a husband has, what, has the right to eat the payroll, whereas the apotropos doesn't. Apotropos is just managing the property. Whereas a Adam not only manages it, but he has it rights. So what the Gemara does is, is because really the case in the Mishnah were flipped, meaning we say since, and it says in the Mishnah explicitly, you can write a, a you can write a prusbul for money is owed by an ish, and they say ishto. So therefore we can make and derive that since a relationship of Apotropos to the Atomium is like the relationship of ish to ishto, therefore you can write a, then you, then you can write a prusbul for money owed by Apotropos on the land that is, he's managing for a Yotomim. Okay? Because remember, very importantly, the mission didn't say that case. It said the opposite case about writing a Prusbul for money owed by Yotomim for land that Apotropos has. But here we're saying since you can do it for a man on the property of his wife, so for the since relationship of Apotropos to the Yatomim is like the relationship between a man to his wife's property. So too, if the apotropos owes money, you can write a prusbul based on the land he's managing for Yatomim. So therefore, we do the same flip case question. Can you write, let's say a woman owes money. Can you write a prusbul based on, based on the property, her husband's property? So we say, we can also derive from the case in our Mishnah. You can write a, since our Mishnah says you can write a prusbul or money owes by Yatomim for the property on the property of Apotropos. Now the relationship in the, the, the parallel relationship is the woman is like the Yatomim in that someone else is managing her property. So therefore, since you can write a prusbul for money owed by Yatomim on the property of Apotropos, so too you can write you can write a, you can write a prusbul for money owed by a woman on the property of a husband who is effectively like an Apotropos. Okay. That's how it works. Maybe we should have charted this up, but I think it should be quite clear. Next, Kver Dvorim. Kver Dvorim was a beehive. We saw many, many cases of that. So Rabbi Oval B'Shem Rabbi uh, Shimon Ben Lakish says, Time at Rabbi Lazar. Now, the question is why we saw in the Machloket whether a Kver Dvorim, a beehive that's seated, placed on the ground, whether it's considered Mukhubar like Karaka or not, whether it's considered attached to the ground, and, and whether it's considered like Karaka, I should say. And that, and we, that was important for whether if that's the only property a Ani had, we can write a prosbul. We saw it to do with Shabbos and, and susceptibility to Tumah. So the Gemara says, what's the basis of Shidra Belazar that is considered connected to the ground? So it says, this is based on the story with Yonatan, where he came up with the battle. It says, He came to a yar and it seemed to be flowing with honey. Now, so the assumption seems to be that since it sounds like the, the yar was growing honey, that's what it sounds like. So this is much mami nakum. What are you talking about? It could simply say that um, uh, it says It could simply be what that the there was just lots of honey in there. It doesn't mean it was growing in there. It says If you said it was it, it, because what happened is Yonatan came, son of Shaul, came and took his stuff and dipped it in there and took some honey and he didn't realize that there was a whole shvua that by his father, that anyone who that, 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 that forbade any of the soldiers eating any eating anything until the, after, um, during the battle. So what he did is he dipped his stick in it. And there the expression is, biyaratvash. And that sounds like it's a ya'ar that produces honey. Okay? So he says, from the reishi, you can't mash anything. 
had your drush been from the safer, then I can see how it seems to be a honey can be considered like growing from the ground if it's sitting on the ground. So then we've been your So Rabbi Yossi Barbavun says the Bishem Rabbi Shimon Melaki says Amash Maash says Shama Yata Ken Bitbol Otabiar Dvash. He says, actually, he learned specifically from this, meaning he didn't learn it from the beginning of the Pasuk, he learned it from towards the end of the Pasuk. That's exa- exactly where he divided it from. But the Gemara asks as follows, Man and Kaimin, what's a machlok in the Mishnah? If we were talking about where it's been cemented to the ground, then we've got no question. Everyone agrees that this is considered machlok karka. There's no question. However, if it's propped up on, the gra- on, on four pegs, so it's, it's raised from the ground, then there's no machlok in the Mishnah either way, either. It's not considered like karka. Why? Because because the, the pegs that are on the ground, that makom of the peg is not considered chashuv. So what's a machloket? Like we explain the Mishnah, they're simply resting on the ground. And this comes to sound like the Shita Reb Zira said name of Reb Yirmiya. It says, Let's say a ani. Has uh, has rights to like he places his he's got a place where he places tanur, his his oven or his kira kira is like a stove a small stove two to two pot size stove. What we the what we say here the in other words the fact that someone lent him and gave him the rights to place it at the location that's considered as if he has karka. So I read Rebbe Chaim says she shiluhu lo makom leniach alav hatanur the sagiat enough lemichtav alei prusbul that's enough. Have a rabbanat svered the kol she'en lo karka shelo shechol agabom mimenu la vekarka. However, the reason machachamim disagree is yes, you've got rights to place on the ground, but that, that you don't own that ground. So therefore, that's why the chachamim disagrees on the chubul akarka. Now we ask the following question: Rabbi Bar Ada says, so um, sorry, let's a bit more, a bit more. Uh, it's just finished off. Rabbi Bar Ada says, I'm af amakomon shel ner. Even if he just had the rights to place a candle down. That that makomo considered if he has karka. Okay. Now the gemara asks as follows: Af bepat kach machlok Now we explained that the if someone's tolesh the machloket was if you're tolesh you take some of the honeycomb. I said honeycomb. That's why the batanur explains it. But it could possibly be from the sugya that it's even just taking the honey. I'm not sure there's such a difference. Like you scrape some honey. I think I could be wrong. But uh, batanur explicitly says to about the chalot vash. But I think from the vash from the sugya sounds like it's the honey. The question is. If taking some honey from this beehive is considered tolesh, would that also be if you take, uh, I don't know, he says, pat, you take bread, radiata pat, you take bread from an oven. Is that also considered like pulling it out from the ground? Because let's, 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 uh, let's make it clear here. We said an oven resting on the ground is considered like haraka. So therefore, make, if, you're struck, if, if taking honey from the beehive is considered like a tolesh, is taking bread from this oven considered tolesh? Would that, would that would still, would that be a machlok or a blazer, And the Gemara says, absolutely not. That's not even a question. Why is this case different? He says, what's the difference? You took dough and you've stuck it in the oven. It wasn't produced inside the oven. It just baked in the oven. However, the honey was produced. It's considered like gidulei karaka. It was like produced there, if you like, by the bees. And therefore... That's why that's why the machloket. If this beehive is considered mechuba la karaka, then it would be considered as if it was um, it was considered a tolash. That's why the gemara understands. It doesn't grow from the ground. Sorry, it doesn't grow from the ground. It, do, it doesn't have to grow from the ground. That's the point. But it's considered it's growing within something that's mechuba la karaka. I read Reb Chaim. He says shadavash kegadal bekaveret hu shadavori mitzuim bekaveret. That's because the bees are there. 
We know it doesn't grow in from the ground. It's because it's produced by the bees, no question. But, and they, and because, it's the, because they, they produce the honey there, as opposed to just bread that's just simply just like stuck on the side, that's why, that's why the, we have a machlok, whether that's considered as if you're, um, if it's considered tolesh or not. Okay? Let's consider. How about egg, eggs in a nest? And eggs in a nest. Eggs in a nest. Uh, um, um, I think it's. I, I think it's understood as if it's like resting and popped out of there. It's not. You're not removing it. Like here, the uh, honey it needs to be like scraped out, and, or if it's honeycomb, it needs to be broken off, doesn't it? Um, anyway, I don't know. Let's continue. If someone returns a shovel job, they are dead during shmitiyeh. We said that he says all he has to say is I am meshamet. So um, and and then once if the guy says I want to give it to you, then he can um, then he can take it. Rav Huna Amar Rafa What he has to say, he says it in a safarafa, almost sounds like in a not exactly an enthusiastic, man, enthusiastic manner. Yeah, I'm a shamet, and he sticks his hand out to take it. Right. In other words, because ruach no if someone returns it. However, he can't simply just take it. He has to say Meshemetani because, again, it has to be that the person's giving him money not as paying back the loan, but rather if he wants to give him money, it has to be considered like a gift because otherwise he's, he's um, again, over on returning a loan. And there's a... Uh, do we have time? Um, I think we don't. But the guy the in the Gittin elaborates on a situation where one Rav wanted to return the money and he says Meshemetani. And he goes, okay, and left. And 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 left the the other the other Omar quite upset. And when he uh, gave gave kind of story, he says, "You don't understand. He, like he wants his money back, but he has to say Meshamatani so that it's it's in the context of the of a loan. So that's why he gave the money back. Okay, let's continue. We saw a case of Rotzeh as well. So Amrav Yossi had Amra from here. We see what Barnash de Tani Chad Michla. If someone has learned one mechilta, say one peric of uh, Gemara, let's say, for example, who azal atra, and he goes to a place, they give him kavod because he's learned two, begin tarte, tartaya, he has to be straight. anachada michla anachacham. No, you're giving, oh, you're, you're, I'm just defying him kavod. I've only learned one, right? He learns it from the case of the rotzeach ani. Like, don't give me kavod, realize I'm rotzeach. I think it's uh, understandable. Let's continue. Hamachzir chov b'shiv, if someone returns a, a dead drink shmita, Ruach HaChemim happy with it. Halove min If someone um, borrows money from Ger, Shinit Geyer, Banavimo, and his sons converted along with him. And Mikardin, if the Ger dies, so he borrowed money from the Ger. The Ger dies. Now, does he have to pay the Ger back? Sorry, the children of the Ger in back? The answer is no, because halachically, someone who converts is if the newborn, and he doesn't have any heirs. So it's like... Uh, uh, the uh, the, um, the the estate of a ger that is, therefore he doesn't who has no yorshim so if he can keep it so however if he does return it meaning then the even though it doesn't have, letter of law have to do so I'm very happy with that outcome in other words all these things are again letter of law says one thing but you know it's probably best to do go go beyond that let's continue. Call him a tatlin nikdim meshicha. All metatlin, all movable objects is acquired by you simply drawing it towards yourself. However, call him a kemet baro. However, in other words, if you go into a shop and say, I'd like to buy it, and then you change your mind, do you have to pay? Absolutely not. And even if you say, Quentin Shit, this is mod enokonon, even if you pay money, do you have to actually go ahead with the deal? No, you can even ask for your money back. However, if someone's mekaim dvaro fulfills his word, 
Ruach Hachamim Nechemim. Let's continue. Now the Gemara. Halovi Menager, the case is. Rebelaza Amar Bivad Lebanav. The first understanding is um, that it's referring to, meaning Hadik Tanishi Mechzir Lebanav, Ruach Hachamim Nechemim, that's referring to giving to his sons. Meaning if he doesn't have his sons, you don't have to go to uncles and, you know, you have to keep going up, up the chain of Yerusha, like we're learning it. So Rabbi Yossi, uh, what does it mean? It means what it means is if he doesn't have sons, you still have to return it to daughters. In other words, not just sons. It just means you don't go past daughters. So don't say that since your Roshot Banim is not the writer, therefore I'll just return it to the sons. And if he's only got daughters, then I don't have to worry about it. No, you still have to give it to the daughters. You should give it to the daughters as well. But beyond that, you don't need to. Meaning if he doesn't have sons or daughters, but he's got a brother, you don't need to worry about that. Now, we have a similar case, which is interesting, meaning that let's say that someone died and he's got no Yorashim. Ella Imo, all he has is his mother. He says, don't have to give it to his mother either. Because, uh, however, because Mikardin is not a Yorash. However, but if, it's, um, if he does so, it's considered a praiseworthy thing. Now, here's a, what you might think is a surprising one. If a gazlan does tshuva and he wants to return that which he stole, if you say, okay, thank you, give it back to me and you receive it, Chachamim are not pleased with you taking it back. Now, why is that? That is because of what's called Takanat Shabim. And there's an incident in the Gemara, in the Gemara Bavli, Bavakama, the Rebchaim quotes it, where it says, A person wanted to tshuva. And he says, and, he says, and his wife said to him, You wanted tshuva? You mad? You know how much you've stolen? If you do tshuva, you're going to have to return everything, including the belt that's around, around your waist. And therefore, he didn't do tshuva. So from that point onwards, I said, if someone, to, if someone in Gaza wants to do tshuva, he doesn't return everything, anything. Because you don't want that to be a barrier for him doing tshuva. So therefore, if you makabel something from a gazlan who wants to do tshuva, because they, they want this takana to be in place, not to deter any other gazlan from ever doing tshuva. Okay, let's continue. If someone just does business with, like, dvarim, Sometimes, in other words, you, sometimes you can say that you might end up with a situation Chachamim are not happy. Meaning, if he just says, I, look, I want to do the, the, the deal and changes his mind, that's a case in our Mishnah. However, you can get worse case. Let's say he handed over the money and wanted to go back. In that situation, again, technically he can. However, the Chachamim implied, I'm sure you know this the, from other Gemaras, there's what's called a Lamishapara, Lamishapara Midora Mabul, or Yifrav Jemenu Bechosabadabur, I think that language is. Meaning there's almost a curse associated with individual who's paid money and then decides, actually, no, I don't want to go ahead with the deal and take his money back. Um, so that, that's more serious um, violation, if you like, of what the Chachamim wanted, that applied a curse, than someone who simply just uh, agreed verbally and goes back. Let's continue. It's still in Rochemenu. Reb Zira says, Rabbi Baal Bashem Rabbi Yochanan, Hanoten Eruvon Tabat Lechabaroit. Someone just seems to give an Eravon, meaning he wants to buy something, but he just gives him like a, a ring uh, in trust to say, like, I want to buy it from you. Now that's not Ubikesh cons- Lachzorbo, and he wants to go back, he can Chozerbo. That's not considered a payment that would equate to a, a Mishapara. That's just a giving a Eravon, a, um, what's it called? Not collateral. Uh, there's another term for uh, something in trust or something. However, a Bezira by Kamei Rav Avau, is that the case, same case with gold? Let's say he gave him Zahub. So Amar, no, lay only Tabat, only a ring. So Ma ben Zahub ben Tabat, what's the difference between the two? 
says, If you give someone a kilo of gold, then you could probably use it and give him a kilo of gold back. That won't make a difference. Maybe not a kilo, but you don't understand what I'm saying. Whatever, whatever it is. That's the Lashon. However, a ring, if you give someone a ring, then that's different. He wants the ring back, that exact thing you gave him. In other words, since gold itself might be transferable and changeable, therefore it already has a status of money when the person gives it, and therefore it's almost considered like a down payment. However, it's simply a tabad is only considered an aravon, not even a deposit. It's just a, uh, I don't know, what's a word? Someone give me a good, good, good translation. You know what I'm saying? It's only considered like a, an entrust that I want, to, I want to buy it, and it's not considered a payment. Okay, let's continue. Rabbi Yaakov Barzabdi says, Rabbi Yaakov Rabbi Yochanan. If someone said, I'll, I'll give you a gift, and changed his mind, he can, there's nothing wrong with that. He can chozerbo. So Rav Yossi uh, said, Im Rav Yaakov Bar Azabdi, Amarle, he said to him, to come, Rav Yossi, Im Rav Yaakov, Amarle, he said to him, Hahen loved Tzedek, Vehen Tzedek, we know it says Tzedek, Tzedek Tirdov. And it says, the Chazal learned from this, that your love should be Tzedek and your hand should be Tzedek. When you say yes, when you say no, it should be sincere. So if he goes back on the gift, isn't that a violation of Tzedek, Tzedek Tirdov? So Amarle says, no. Going back on the gift is not a violation. Why? Because Bashar Shamarahem, the time he says, I want to give you a gift, he may have been sincere about it. And therefore, the fact that later on he changes his mind, that maybe it's considered a, a elaborate or not big enough, whatever it is, if he changes his mind, that's not considered a hensetic. And also, there's no issue with going back on giving a gift. However, Rav Palik, Rav disagreed. He says, the Rav Amar kad ana amar When I said to my Bnei people in my household, to give a matana labarnash, I would never go back on it. So we've only got uh, a, um, a small amount left, and technically we'll reach the end of the daft. Do you want to just finish the Masechta? Should we go on? You happy? Another five minutes? Okay. All right. 